0: One year, I had to do summer school, so I picked the easiest course on the list, a course called Creativity. And on the first day of class, the professor told us that whoever had the highest grade would get treated to dinner at his house with him and his wife. And then he showed us pictures of his wife. Well, I won. And it was a fun night. There was alcohol. And at the end of the night, the professor's wife said she had a present for me. She had wrapped it in a paper bag and told me that I could only look at it later. Let's put it this way if I could pass forward even 10% of the impact that that present had on me onto you today, this podcast will have been totally worth it. Today, we are reading from the book of transformation. You are listening to Make Art Not Content. Brought to you by The Mystery School. What's that? The Mystery School is an online program that helps creatives all over the world conquer the biggest obstacle they face. Themselves. themselves, themselves, themselves. Enroll today at lastnightsparty.tv. Lastnightsparty.tv So a few weeks ago, it seemed like everyone I knew was recommending that I watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix. It's so you, people kept saying. So I finally watched it and I got to tell you, even though I'm always the one telling people to spend less time on Instagram and other platforms, I actually don't have a problem with social media. I'm not one of those people who thinks that it's having a tragic negative effect on our society or anything like that. Society is going to be fine. My problem with social media is the damage that it does to creative people. I hate that it's inherent psychological design that keeps the normals entertained also keeps creatives from achieving their best work. Let me ask you a question that I know that at some point you've had to think about. What's the best way you know of changing a behavior in yourself that you don't like? Like in general? Well, I found that the absolute worst way of doing it is trying to fight it. If you want behavioral change to last forever, willpower never works. The thing that works for me, and it seems to help my friends too, is that when you really want to stop doing something that's bad for you, what you do is you adopt a totally new behavior that'll make the old one obsolete. Like I remember when I wanted to kill my addiction to drinking Dr. Pepper, like it was getting ridiculous. When i go to movies, I would supersize it and then actually drink the whole thing, which is disgusting. I mean, this is how obsessed I was. I made a special trip once to the Dr. Pepper Museum in Waco, Texas, to immerse myself in Dr. Pepper culture. It was that bad. There was no way I could have gotten over my addiction with only willpower, not a chance. What it took was adopting a completely new habit. And for me, that habit was drinking tea. The more I learned about tea, the more I experienced its benefits, and the more that I loved it. So it got to the point where I was drinking six cups a day, like even when I was touring with The weekend, I converted everyone around me to this new tea habit. I traveled with my own tea filters and my own high in antioxidant green rooibos tea, just so I never had to rely on inferior tea anywhere that I went. It was that crazy. And one day, I noticed I was completely over my Dr. Pepper addiction. I just didn't give a shit anymore. My addiction was totally gone. So that's why I preach. Why try to use your limited supply of willpower when you could use behavior replacement instead? And guess what? It's the same thing with negative thoughts. You can only think a positive thought or a negative thought, but never both at the same time. The problem is, trying to not think of a negative thought can be just as frustrating as the original negative thought you were having in the first place. But... What if you could transcend your thoughts and alter your consciousness? (laughs) In other words, alter the constellation where your thoughts occur in the first place. Well, when I was in the cab leaving the professor's house, I opened the bag that held the present that the professor's wife had given me. And inside was a book. The title? Only one word. Flow. Reading that book over the next few weeks was like reading the diary of my whole creative life as a teenager. Except this version had scientific names attached to everything. I had experienced this phenomenon called flow for days at a time even. But I never knew that this mental state had a name. And that it was a special experience that only a small group of people get on the regular. I grew up thinking that it was normal. That it's just what happens every time you're working on new art. This book seriously broke it all down break it down there were eight characteristics of flow apparently and the more of these traits that you had the more that you knew that you had achieved it number one complete immersion in what you're doing number two a sense of your body being outside of reality number three a tremendous inner clarity and knowing what needs to be done next number four Extreme pattern recognition. So you get more aha moments, more epiphanies. Number five, you have complete confidence in yourself that you can do what it takes to achieve your goal. Number six, you move beyond the ego and you stop being aware of yourself anymore. You vanish. The world disappears. Number seven, hours seem to go by like minutes. No future no past, just right now. And finally, number eight, whatever it is that you're doing, it's not about the result anymore. Doing it becomes its own reward. I knew this feeling like the back of my hand. I'm sure you've had this feeling too. Everyone has. But what really stunned me reading this book was realizing how rare of an occurrence it was for most people. I mean, this state is so desirable to humans that they even made a movie about it. Remember Limitless? It's kind of like that. Or it's kind of like Neo catching bullets in The Matrix. You feel totally tapped in. The book explained that most people were lucky if they had the feeling like once a year. I couldn't believe that. So I started asking around. And it was true. People would say, yeah, I had that feeling once. Or... That's the way I feel when I go skiing with the guys. The only people that said that they had the feeling as often as I did were my creative friends and my athlete friends. They had flow stories too. And even my aunts in Brooklyn told me that they felt it regularly when they pray. And some girls that I worked with at H&M told me that this is exactly how they felt when they went to concerts sometimes. But they had another word for it though, connectedness. One dude I know called it peak experience. And the religious were calling it enlightenment. And athletes were calling it being in the zone. Runners got the runners high. Computer programmers called it being locked in. But creatives, creatives now had their own special word for it too. Flow. Flow is the most powerful state that a human being can achieve in my opinion. Flow or any version of it is a feeling that you get in your inner core that makes life feel like it's worth living. Imagine being able to combine the emotions of being in love with the overwhelming rush that you get when you reach your highest physical and mental achievements, like all at the same time. Who wouldn't want that? But most people, creatives included, they live their lives in the complete opposite spectrum of flow. They're stuck in mental states like anxiety, apathy, worry, stress, boredom, fear, depression. I'm overthinking, I'm overthinking. I'm my life is overthinking. These are all symptoms of a life without flow. Each of these mental states are conditions that people are trying to get rid of or cover up with drugs, Netflix, scrolling Instagram, and even bad relationships. They think that they're looking for this light at the end of a tunnel called happiness. But it's not happiness that anyone wants, it's glow. That's why you'll see people waging war against their constant overthinking. Or you'll see them battling anxiety. But like I said before, it's useless to fight against your deeply ingrained patterns. No amount of willpower could sustain you through it. What you need to do instead is start engaging in new behaviors that give you the effects that you want. And we all want the effects of a life with flow. Because once you have that, the negative shit just melts away. So that's why this book that the professor's wife gave me had such an impact on me. It turns out that every human being can create flow on demand. Anyone can achieve it if they want to. And it's not even that hard. It's not like you need a special talent or anything. You just have to line up a few conditions like in the right order. Then you start getting that 400% improvement. That's when everyone else's 10,000 hours becomes 3,000 hours for you. There are five behaviors that you can engage in like right now that will create flow in your life and these five behaviors are what we're going to talk about in part two